Hey, it's John from CityCast. If you're in the mood to pamper yourself a little bit this week while supporting cruelty-free products, you should check out Bone Cur Home and Wellness. It's the best place in Portland to find everything from chic home decor to cannabis accessories. They've got a curated collection of vegan and cruelty-free home goods and wellness products because their name is French for kind heart, after all. You'll get a 20% discount on your first order when you sign up for emails this week at boncoeur.net. That's B-O-N-C-O-E-U-R.net. And use the code BONECURCITYCAST20. Okay, so for the past 46 years, Willamette Week has published an anonymous survey where our state capitals lobbyists and staff members rank and comment on the lawmakers who were part of that year's legislative session. Spicy, I know. Now, they're scored on everything from how smart they appeared to how well-liked they were, because believe it or not, being well-liked does make you more effective in passing bills. Now, is this survey scientific? Barely. Is it steeped in juicy gossip and hearsay? Totally. So today on CityCast Portland, Nigel Jayquist, one of Willamette Week's most no-nonsense political reporters, graciously stoops down to my level for a thorough burn book analysis on this year's legislative session. So go grab your glitter pens. We're spilling a capital-sized cup of tea. It's Wednesday, June 28th. I'm Claudia Mesa, and this is what Portland's talking about. Nigel, thank you so much for joining us this morning. My pleasure. This is the, your first time here, and uh, I just want you to know I'm a big fan. I read uh, I read all your articles. Thank you. Well, this is why it's really funny that you are the man who does this, because I feel like you've you've created this very professional, very you know serious man of journalism, and then you have what might be like one of like the bitchiest articles towards the end of the legislative session, and I adore it. Sure. I, well, to that point, it, it, it has always made me a little bit uncomfortable. I think I started doing this in 05 or 07. I can't remember exactly. And it is contrary to everything Willamette Week normally does. Normally, we, we, you know, we want to have attributed quotes. We don't use anonymous quotes unless we absolutely have to. And we don't print opinion. And this, this issue is all about anonymous quotes and opinions. But um, the uh, readers seem to like it, and certainly my editor likes it. So It is fun. People love gossip. So overall, how do you think the 2023 legislative session ranked at the Capitol? This is your opinion from what you've heard. Like, what's the general consensus? Well, it's interesting because prior to the walkout, which started on May 3rd, when Republican senators left, uh, stopped showing up for floor sessions, I would have said it was going pretty smoothly. I think, um, you know, you have new a new Senate president, a new Speaker of the House, so there were learning curves for both of those uh, people. But I think there was a little bit less rancor, perhaps, than there had been in the past. And, you know, there will yeah. always, always be problems. There will always be disagreements. There are major policy bills like the interstate bridge replacement bill that was stalling and struggling. But um, mm-hmm. I, I think things were things were generally okay. Okay. Well, let's start off with the wins before we get down and dirty. So from all the ones that you listed, like who do you think was the MVP for the Senate this session? 
Uh, you know, I, I guess I would have to say Lieber, Senator Kate Lieber. Uh, she's from Portland, Southwest Portland, used to be a prosecutor in Multnomah County, now teaches at uh, Portland Community College. Um, she is the Senate Majority Leader, not only because she had the highest scores, but because she's pretty new. This is her first full term, and I think people are really excited about her. I, again, the Senate is a fusty, dowdy institution where things move slowly. The average age is, is uh, I think the average person is a, eligible for Social Security. So it's a, and I don't mean to be ageist. I just mean that <laughs> no, no, there are yeah. a lot of people who've been around for a long time, and they're used to doing things very deliberately. So I think she- Well, Nigel, also, I feel like it's the only people who can afford to do this job are the retired. Correct. Correct. <laughs> and and so she, I think, she, she's got the ability to shake things up a little bit. So she would be the MVP. Clear, clearly the, a bit of a surprise in the House to me, frankly, uh, Representative Dacia Graber, who's also from Southwest Portland. She's a firefighter. She works for Tualatin Valley Fire and Rescue. And um, I was curious because I don't know her all that well myself, so I talked to a lot of people about her. And I, I think, again, she she brings a level of energy. She kind of rocketed to the top. She, she's not been around very long, and uh, yet I think people see in her uh, somebody that can work with Republicans, uh, somebody that can work with anybody in her caucus. And the House Democratic Caucus is a pretty diverse coalition of people. So she is uh, one of those people who can get right to the middle of things. Well, that's those are the good news. But okay, so let's talk our shit. Mm-hmm. Worst ranked representatives and senators. Let's figure out who really, really just made everyone mad. Because I do want to remind you, uh, the listener, that this isn't Nigel's opinion. This is like a you know anonymous uh, voting system within the Capitol. It's like a burn book, if you if if you will. Do you know what a burn book is, Nigel? Uh, no, I don't. Well, I understand why you wouldn't. You're not, you've never been a 12 year old girl. But a burn book in middle school is like a, a book that, pe- that like the popular girls will pass around and they'll just put really mean things mm-hmm. about other people ah, in okay. it. Okay. You know, it is like an informal peer review, but, um, but with a lot more like uh, childhood trauma. So, okay, so the easy place to go with that is the House. Um, so the, the issue is good, bad, and awful. And this, this session, we had two uh, representatives who came up with really awful scores and for different reasons. The first is uh, Representative James Hebe. He's from Canby. He's a Republican. Representative Hebe is a military veteran and uh, works in his family's child care business, he first really came to the attention of the public last year when he got arrested at the Clackamas County Fair. It was in his district. He was uh, wearing a Hebe for House shirt, so he was campaigning. He was uh, smoking a cigarette in a part of the fairgrounds where there was no smoking, and he was asked repeatedly to put his cigarette out, and he refused, so they uh, fair staff summoned police. Clackamas County Sheriff oh deputy showed up. Representative Hebe was, uh, you can see from the video that we obtained and also from the the report that he was uh, visibly intoxicated, slurring his words. He was confrontational. He challenged the deputies to, you know, handcuff me. And as they were cuffing him, they realized he was carrying a, a, a gun. Uh, oh my God! Under his shirt, and um, so he, which he did have a license for, but it was a. Uh, it was a real mess, and uh, he, even as they put him in the car, was confrontational and difficult. And um, so that was how he was introduced to many people in Oregon. 
During the session, he did not distinguish himself. Uh, he doesn't really have a political background. He doesn't really have much of an agenda. And um, he uh, got very low scores. But he was not the lowest. Representative Brian. Yeah, but hold on. Give me one sec. Give me one sec for this guy. Uh, you just said Representative James Heeb. He's he's a Republican from Camby. He is representing uh, constituents in Clackamas County. And one of the lobbyists said, Clackistan, you've done it again. Another village idiot. And that is how that entry ends with, with Heeb. And I, I find that, yeah. I mean, that's so hurtful. <laughs> So. Yes. Yes. As I said at the outset, I, I, I've always felt some discomfort with this issue. And um, there were, frankly, a lot of negative comments about Representative Heeb. And, um, you know, that's the purpose of this issue is to is to let readers know what people who are working with these folks every day think. And just to go over the process a little bit more, I want to emphasize a point you made earlier. These are not my opinions. These are the, mm -hmm. so we send out these survey forms and we, we sent them this year to everybody who is a registered lobbyist in Salem, hundreds of mm -hmm. lobbyists. We sent an equal number to Republican and Democratic staff members who work every day in the building and see these people and know these people. And, and, um, then I also did many, many phone interviews with uh, with knowledgeable people around the Capitol. So there's a ton of input, and it's input from people who are in the building every day, not from not from me. So yeah, those those comments about Representative Heeb were pretty negative, um, but not the worst. But not the worst. <laughs> okay, let's get let's move on to the worst rated representative for the session. That was uh, Representative Brian Stout. He's from uh, Columbia City. And uh, just a little bit of backstory. Willamette Week does endorsements every session. And so we would normally interview the Republican nominees for that seat. Representative Stout chose not to con in interview with us, but we were we interviewed his opponent and uh, felt uncomfortable with him. So we, by default, endorsed Representative Stout, having never met him. And wow. boy, was that a mistake. <laughs> um, so what happened is shortly after Representative Stout won the, Dem uh, the Republican nomination and he beat the Democrat in the, in the district quite handily. So he's elected. And not long after he's elected, uh, a woman who had worked for him in 2020 when he previously ran and didn't win, uh, went to court in Columbia County and sought a uh, sexual abuse prevention order against Representative Stout. It's similar to a stalking order. And uh, she argued that he had harassed and, and abused her when she was working for him. And the judge granted the order. So that meant in January, when the uh, legislature convened, you had a new member who had a, an open uh, sexual abuse prevention order against him for abusing a female staffer. So that, that put every woman and, you know, it, it put everybody in the building in an uncomfortable position. Here's the guy that a judge has deemed sufficiently dangerous to this woman to grant an order. Uh, so Speaker Dan Rayfield, who assigns uh, members to committees, said, I will not assign staff to any committees. He's not, I, I won't subject his fellow members nor committee staff to that. I mean, the clear, the clear implication from that was that he should probably think about resigning because if he can't be on a committee, then what's this, what's the point? Yeah. Yeah. Committee work is what uh, members are there to do, to deal with policy, to deal with budgets. And so 
There was a trial during session. Uh, it was an ugly, highly detailed trial in Columbia County. The judge not only uh, kept the order in place, but issued a, a five-year order against Representative Stout. So that meant that he was like a ghost in the building. He would you would see him in the halls. He would come to he would attend as a spectator. Uh, committee hearings. Wow. He was allowed to speak on the floor, and he did periodically speak on the floor, but he, he was a member in, in name only. One of the lobbyists uh, was quoted uh, saying about him, the kid that nobody wants to sit with at lunchtime. And that just, again, brought back a lot of burn book memories. I was like, oh, that's so cruel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but also, I mean, if nobody wants to sit with him because they're afraid that, you know, yep. of, of all the other implications around him, it makes sense. Well, let's take a quick break here. And when we return, we're tackling the worst ranked lawmakers in the Senate. So that was the, the worst of the worst for the representatives. Do we have any in the Senate? Um, the two senators to the bottom of uh, our list are uh, Senator Daniel Bonham from the Dalles, who's a Republican, and Senator Winsley Campos from Aloha, who's a Democrat. Their scores were low for for different reasons. Bonham, uh, is, they're both in their first term in the Senate, and uh, Bonham had uh, served a couple terms in the House, did pretty well, worked uh, with with Democrats fairly well, but he was among the people who was really uh, angry and walked out. And I think that that really hurt his scores. He remains, I think, pretty angry. Uh, he, in fact, when he oh came, when he came yeah. back, uh, his one of his priority bills this session or priority gestures, which was getting money for a bridge, uh, the Bridge of the Gods at Cascade Locks, which is in his district, the, the money that had been allocated to that project, six million dollars to get it started was stripped and uh, sent somewhere else. So he, he's had a tough term. Uh, Representative Campos, uh, Winsley Campos, moved up this session. She's uh, by far the youngest senator at 27. She got low scores. I think they represent more than any offense. They represent the fact that she's just new to the process. So she, I think her inexperience is the uh, reason that her scores are so low. I want to quickly say something about these two that something that stuck out to me in the writing was that um, this basketball game came up with both of them. And I just thought that was so funny. Again, so high school where it seems that uh, Bonham, I guess he was kind of aggressive. He like broke two of his teeth and he bent his back in the contest and people were just like, yeah, that was like a lot. And then another thing they that was brought up about Campos was like that she was very elbowy, and I, <laughs> I don't know why, but that just like, what is up with that? Uh, I, you know, I, the House and the Senate play against each other in at the Boys and Girls Club in Salem to raise money for the Boys and Girls Club, and I think, I mean, you you've mentioned Burn Book and you've mentioned you know not wanting to sit. It, it, it's obvious, I should say, that uh, the legislature is a lot like high school, and. Mm -hmm. um, these are very ambitious, very proud, very, uh, you know, people who are willing to put themselves out there and suffer the kind of slings and arrows that they got in this this edition, but also from their, you know, from their uh, constituents, from the press. So I, I, I think uh, putting them all on a basketball court is a great idea. 
It's a great idea oh my because, God. because you know that, that that's when they can let some of those emotions and aggressions uh, bubble to the surface. So, um, yeah, I'm, I mean, it, it, it's really interesting what happened. I guess Bonham got did get these two teeth smacked or three teeth smacked, and one of the Democrats who was playing is High Fom, who's a rookie House member from Hillsboro, and he's a dentist. So you know, it's like he's mm-hmm. like Bonham. I, I asked right Bonham there. about it. He said, "Yeah, High Fom." And Bonham can be known as a pretty partisan guy. He said it was great to have a dentist there to help, you know, because mm-hmm. getting your getting your teeth knocked in is uh, something nobody wants to have. I want to correct myself because I incorrectly said that Campos was the sharp elbow, but it wasn't Campos. I confused. It was Har- it was Hartman. Anessa Anessa Hartman, who's a who's a rep, uh, rookie representative from Gladstone. From yeah, you're Gladstone. Right. Yep. But I just remembered that, like, that was a reason why people were just like, I don't know, man. She was really aggressive at the basketball game. Well, and she got low scores because of it. And that just, I mean, yeah, that's you know, pretty I, hilarious. I think part of what I like about this issue uh, is that, you know, the, the people who are watching are watching all the time. So there are, if you, mm-hmm. there are lobbyists at that game, you know, when these folks, Go, that there are constantly social functions. So you're getting a 360-degree view of these people. One thing we didn't get, because they've kind of changed the parking, the way people park in the buildings. One of the questions I'll ask when I do the verbal interviews is, well, who drives, you know, Representative Tina Kotek, who's now Governor Tina Kotek, was yeah. pretty proud of the fact that she drove, you know, she drove a total beater. It was a car that she'd had for like 20 years and had a million miles on it. And that was one of her calling cards. And now the the parking structure is secure so people can't get in to see who drives what. Because, you, you know, you want those kind of telling details that lobbyists are aware of. You know, who's the best dressed? Who's the worst dressed? Who's always late? Yeah, yeah. My representative got best dressed. Travis, Travis Nelson. Yes, Travis Nelson. There's a great picture of Travis Nelson on the floor. He he is a very sharp dresser. He wears nice suits. Uh, he showed up one day with a, a nice shirt and tie combination, except the shirt had no sleeves. And he, I think he works out a lot. He's got uh, and people are still talking about it. Is what oh, I'm yeah. hearing, Nigel. He's got a he's got an impressive <laughs> set of biceps and uh, yeah. Okay, so we're like nitpicking. We're we're you know we're we're talking some smack here, but like what? What effect do these super low-ranked reps or, you know, senators have on the session, if anything? Well, look, a lot of bills, a lot of bills pass on the margin. And by that, I mean there's one or two votes either way that need to be, uh, you, you know, it, it, your, your bill needs, it might need a James Heave, it might need a, a Brian Stout on the floor, it might need a Farrah Chai Chi. So every member's vote is important when the, when the bills are close. And mm-hmm. so, you know, that's why you would think in high school there might be the kids that nobody sat with. They don't have any power. Uh, in the building, they still have a little bit of power because there are a lot of bills on which their votes are necessary. And uh, there are many, many bills on which uh, that are bipartisan, meaning they get some Republican votes, some Democratic votes. So really, um, really important. Each one of these people, even if their scores are low, has a lot of power. Well, do you have any silver linings, like, you know, something to end on a positive note so we just don't leave speaking a lot of uh, a lot of bad 
Well, look, yeah, I do. I mean, I've been around legislators for 25 years, and I think that uh, it's easy to make fun of them. And, and, uh, you know, I don't I I don't want people to think that's who who I am or who Willamette Week is. I, I think these people do. They work really, really hard for extremely low pay. Uh, they have to digest massive amounts of information and make hard decisions about policies and budget bills that you know affect everybody's lives. So it's it is a thankless task. I mean, the, the legislative pay is about thirty four thousand dollars a year. Uh, they they meet uh, quarterly for three or four days. They have a short session every even year. They have a long session every odd year. So it makes it very hard for people to make a living outside of the legislature. And uh, so uh, you know, yeah, we the, the, we put, have some fun with this issue, and and people get smacked around a little bit. And uh, yet, I, I for me, I, I have a tremendous respect for the commitment all of these people make, even the people who get low scores. Yeah. I also heard that this was the year where um, both chambers saw like unprecedented uh, diversity in yes. in the makeup of record numbers of women and people of color yep. uh, winning seats. But, yep. but it's also why maybe we had a lot of rookies. Yeah. No, I, I think the, the legislature looks vastly different uh, today from 10 years ago or 20 years ago. And that's a, a great thing. It's It's becoming, even with the hard sacrifices people have to make financially, there are a lot of young people. There are a lot of people of color. Uh, there are a tremendous number of women, and that's different. If you were to go look at the, you know, the class shots from uh, the 1990s, 1980s, it's basically white mm-hmm. guys. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Nigel. I appreciate uh, you hanging with us and going through your article, even though, as you stated, it makes you uncomfortable. Thanks for having me on, Claudia. Appreciate <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. And now for your microdose of news. Oregon's minimum wage is getting a bump on July 1st. In Portland, the new minimum will be $15.45 per hour. That's higher than in other parts of Oregon, but all minimum wage earners across the state will all have their pay boosted by 70 cents per hour. And ODOT takes another hit. The $1.3 billion project to widen I-5 in the Rose Quarter is on hold until at least 2026. So is a $550 million widening of I-205 in Clackamas County. The delays come after Governor Tina Kotek chose to hold off on tolling highways until at least 2026. Analysts say the delay could kill the projects as costs rise. For even more local news and events, sign up for our daily newsletter, Hey Portland. We'll throw a link in the show notes. That's all for today here on CityCast Portland. If you enjoyed the show, consider leaving us a five-star review on whatever pod app you're using. It really does help us out. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more from around the city. Until then, see you at Slim's.